0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a new episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Frank. And we got a good one for you today, folks. Not only do we have arguably the greatest James Bond movie of all time, but we have a fantastic guest for you all here today. We have my good friend and uh, comedian Joshua Lay. How are you doing, my friend?
1: Hey, I'm great. I'm excited to be on this pod. It's fun. And uh, I'm stoked. I'm ready to talk about the movie
0: hell yeah man so have you seen james bond movies before had you seen which where where are you coming into the franchise
1: all right so i'm i'm still very green with the franchise so i've seen like the new uh james craig ones i saw the pierce brosnans i played the video games like crazy as a kid Of (laughs) course. and then uh like the sean connery ones i think those would be the oldest ones i had seen but i hadn't seen this one that we'll discuss later so that was fun
0: oh that's awesome uh listen like It's crazy because, like, we, um, I totally grew up watching these and definitely remembered seeing like this movie as a kid and then probably again as a teenager, but I had like no recollection about like the finer points of the plot. Uh, so it was so good to check it out on the rewatch. Uh, but before we get into the movie, I want to spend a hot second and give you time to do some pluggity plugs. Uh, Josh, um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, You opened for Mark Norman at Pet Shop in Jersey City, which is absolutely fucking ridiculous and awesome. Uh, And you are like one of my favorite Jersey City comics. Uh, I love your approach to it. How did you get started? Um, And can you tell me a little bit about, um, you know, kind of uh, where you're going to be next?
1: Yeah. uh, So how I got started, you know, I I just I've always loved comedy. I've always been a huge fan of it. Like uh, probably the earliest. Ever glimpses would be like the classic middle school lunch table, high school lunch table. Like, I want to make everyone laugh, especially because I was a loser, didn't have to talk to girls. And if there's any hot girls there, like, all right, this is my one to shine. Come on. Uh, <laughs> but then, yeah, I just always wanted to perform. And uh, I eventually moved out here to New Jersey and uh, from Oklahoma to do a teaching thing with Teach for America and the whole. I, secretly I was like, all right, teaching it, whatever. I'm moving there because I want to do comedy. I know there's a big comedy scene. I'll be close to New York. That's what I'm there for. And then uh, I just, you know, started doing the open mics, getting more confident. And then lately it's been going a lot better. And, like, I was able to open for Mark Norman, which was really weird and bizarre, but a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, so I've, I've been doing that. And then uh, the uh, next show, I don't know when this will be released, will be next Tuesday, October the 6th. It's doing, like, a fake... Ted talk kind of thing with some other funny comics. So it'd be fun at pet shop. That would be,
0: that'd be really awesome. Go see the man pet shop in Jersey city is a great bar. It's a vegan bar. It's, it's super nice. Uh, they totally redid their backyard for outside performances. Um, and yeah, man, that it, that's a great show. Uh, it's going to be like a did Ted you, talk. you Take me there once. I think I did. Frank,
1: I feel like I've been there.
0: You've definitely been there. <laughs> um, yo, uh, what so it's gonna be like a ted talk
1: yeah so uh it'll open up with your traditional stand-up comedy and then a few other comics and myself we we have a little presentation to sell you on and try to you know enlighten your mind as you would a normal ted talk however of course we aren't professionals and we're very (laughs) very limited in our field of knowledge you're not backing it up with facts at all (laughs) Uh, hey, they're facts to me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a lie if you believe it, as the great Costanza once said.
0: Oh, man. Uh, so, uh, okay, so just to touch on this here. So you came to New York for Teach for America from Oklahoma. I feel like that's usually the reverse. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> how, when did you move out? How old were you when you moved to New York, can I ask?
1: Yeah, no, I so I just graduated college. It was 2014, so I would have been 21. I, yeah I was 21 at that time because it was in June and uh yeah have still kind of have but like uh no didn't know anybody out here no friends or family at all so it was all just kind of new and it was all just kind of spur of the moment like the only things I knew about New Jersey were skateboarding related and then comedy related and I was like yeah I'll go there and then I, I then I write like I was traveling up driving like I was getting more emails information about it and like well just say so you know it might be in North Jersey and South Jersey and I was like Oh, I didn't even think about that. Okay, well, South Jersey, where would I be? They're like, Camden. Like, oh, that's crazy. I did a little Google search. I was like, holy crap, that might be a little – I might just be <laughs> out of my element. This is going to be fun. Let's do it. But then I, I lucked out in North Jersey and stuff, and uh, I still teach, so I'm still at my placement school. I do enjoy it, but uh, definitely had ulterior mold- <laughs> motives moving out here.
0: Dude, it's so awesome that you're a teacher. You're molding the young minds of tomorrow. Uh- our hearts definitely go out to you for having to teach during this crazy bullshit pandemic. Um, <laughs> I I can't even imagine how challenging that is.
1: It's 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 definitely been a trip. Uh, it's kind of like this right now. We're having a Skype call lately. I'm just hey kids, what's up? Uh, you want to talk James Bond? They go what? They go, Sorry, I got I got my my evenings and mornings switched up. I apologize. <laughs> oh God. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, this is definitely not a movie you would show in class, I don't think, today. Probably um, not.
1: Probably surprise. Uh Well, fun fact, one year, you know, before Christmas break, no assignments are getting done. And, uh, you know, where I work, you might be able to get away with a little more than a traditional school. And uh, okay. my holiday movie was Die Hard. <laughs> you know, that's a valuable film. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it was great. We we yeah you know, we tracked the plot elements. We did the narrative structure. Sure, You've gotta but... educate
2: the kids. They need to know that it is a fantastic, groundbreaking movie.
1: Oh yeah, it was great. And plus, so many of them haven't seen it. You know, all these kids are born in like oh. two thousand and up. So it's a trip. They're like this Yikes. old old movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Oh my god. So speaking of old old movies, uh, okay, so Goldfinger. Ba-bida uh and every time i say it i hear it in my head
2: like yeah really but and then it also sometimes morphs into gold member which is not good but (laughs) that's true that's true
0: um okay uh general thoughts uh frank i mean how did you feel watching this movie
2: well i will tell you i felt stressed (laughs) <laughs> because we're watching it at the same time as the baseball game. So it yes. was like, um, all right, there's a rain delay. Let's start the movie. Oh, the mo- the game started. Oh, wait, there's another rain delay. So it was a little a little complicated. And then I was like, I had it up on my phone as we're watching the movie because I just wanted to make sure everything went okay. Um, but I was able to commit and, and pay enough attention. Plus, as soon as I started it, I was like, yes, I, I know I've seen this one. And there are so many iconic moments that, like, we still in my memory. Um, and so it was just like a, a good refresher. Um, because this one probably wasn't even that long ago. Like I, I'd say probably within ten years, um, probably maybe even more recently than that. It was just like if the last movie we're talking about from Russia with, with love, like was the, the table setter and it like did a, a bunch of templatizing for James Bond, like this one like like really solidified everything. And it's just like from top to bottom just like a a great movie like it was 64 right like yep like the, it's it's just really solid and like we were just talking about before we went on on the air like this is a blockbuster like it's and it feels like it like it's it's a it's a fun ride.
0: This movie to me doesn't feel so a lot of times if you've been listening to the podcast we say that the Bond sequels feel reactionary that you know they do something in a movie and then the next movie will make up for it or go in a different direction or have a different influence. This to me is like the first one where they're not trying to react to what the audience knows about James Bond yet because they don't know who he is. So in this movie, what they got to do, I think, is like they got to get a bigger budget, they got to have um, more locations and they switched up the director. So Terrence Young directs, uh, dr no one from russia with love and they bring in um guy hamilton who is a little bit younger has a little bit more action uh, under his belt and I-, I think totally it sets up the iconic moments that we see in this film like there's no better word i think than than iconic for this um so josh we we come to it with all this crazy baggage from the fucking podcast we've been working on <laughs> uh josh what did you think about the film?
1: No, oh, I loved it. I it it's I think it's your your quintessential Bond movie. And again, I'm not like a huge expert, but it hit all like the classic Bond stuff, the spy and secret agent things and then uh yeah, like if I were to show a person a Bond movie and not try to go with the newer ones, this is like definitely top 3 I'd pick from, I think.
2: 100%.
1: Totally agree with you
2: there.
0: <laughs> I think I think this is number 1. Um I, I here's uh, it's not just the elements that go on to you know, be done again or interpolated in other movies. It's not just the spoof quality of it that goes on from it. I think really it's kind of the I, – I can't even – what's the – I can't even think of the word. It, it, it uh, cements kind of where Bond is in popular culture. It really takes him into the hearts and minds of the North American movie-going audience – uh, and that's done because, and you can see that, because this movie was re-released like three times in American cinema. like, wow. And they actually put it out with Dr. No in 66. Like, there's great, awesome promotion stuff for it. Uh, this is really where the Bond merchandising really begins, where you start to see corgi toys, jigsaw puzzles, shoes, bathing suits, bed sheets. All that shit really starts here. Um and yeah, man, I got it, I, I loved it. So I I really want to get into all the great trivia of this movie, and that may indeed spoil it for some people who have not seen it. If you have not seen it. I implore you. It is so deliciously fun to watch. It moves at a tr- tremendously great pace., uh, it's action packed, which I totally lost track of, kind of coming off from Russia with Love and and Dr. No of how they built in the action and stunts and special effects into these movies that even though they are, you know, we can see them as set pieces now from watching films, but like they don't feel like the set pieces. They feel like it's like part of the plot, part of the rolling groove of the movie. And I just,
2: I just loved it. Um Yeah. It's so much more natural. It, it moves through everything. And like you said, it's, I think it's an hour and 50 minutes. Like this is probably one of the shortest James Bonds that we've watched, but like, it doesn't feel light. It feels complete. Um, and just like, yeah, I I think it's just, it's just a a great one. And I I can't wait to talk more in depth. Let's do it. Oh my God.
0: All right. There's where to start. Uh, so I think if we're going to start anywhere, we probably got to start with the car, right? I mean, this is the, Everyone's here to listen to the car, right? Is that we, yeah. we gotta start here. We've been waiting for it. We've been it's like, where the fuck is it? <laughs> I know, I know. Uh okay, so here's some trivia. So Desmond Llewellyn, he's they're about to shoot this scene with uh James Bond coming into, you know, uh Q branch, and he's going in to go look at all the cool gadgets for the first time, and we've never seen this yet. We've only seen Q come up and hand him the attache case. That's about the, the extent of what we've seen him as. Right. And right before we're, you know, they're rehearsing the scene, uh, Desmond Llewellyn, who plays Q, is, uh, you know, kind of going up to Bond and like being very jovial about it and being very sweet and, uh, you know, respects Bond. And then Guy Hamilton stops him and he's like, "Listen, stop, 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 stop." you don't like bond. And he's like, what do you mean? He's like, you have a contempt for him because he doesn't respect what you do. And that's going to cement your guy's relationship. And like, I can't think of any better direction than to have that have happened because like the, the comedy and the amazing um, uh, repartee that these guys have for generations, like is because, you know, a good director saw an opportunity to really set up, a real relationship uh and and that i think is so awesome so as they get to the car uh it's an aston martin db5 um ken adam the production designer the great production designer the great ken adam uh goes is a huge uh sports car nut at this time and he approaches aston martin and says hey do you guys have anything cool anything new uh we could take a look at for the next bond movie and they had the prototype for what would become the db5 ready to go and he's like oh my god so they buy four of them sight unseen and they start building them out for what they're going to do and as this is happening each of the kind of the hands of this movie kind of have a little bit of something to do with the different gadgets we see right so Ken Adam uh, you know he's you know designing uh, all of the gadgets which there's actually more gadgets into this car that we don't see which is totally awesome Uh, Guy Hamilton, who is at this point a well-known director, uh, was getting tons of parking tickets all over London, and he's the inspiration for the revolving plates. (laughs) Uh, And he's like, yo, I think this would be so so cool if I was riding around and I could flip my plates and they would never know who I was. Uh, Michael uh, John Steers, excuse me, he designs uh, how the ejector seat is going to work and how they're going to blow off the roof and use uh, a hydraulic, um, not pressurized gas, to blow uh, the seat up. In the film, they are not using uh, a person that is a dummy. Uh,
2: <laughs> Probably good.
0: <laughs> but he was like, day two on set with the DB5, I'm cutting a hole in the roof of this car. Like, it was crazy, you Ugh. know? And then here's my favorite last little bit of trivia. So, there, so you know... Uh, eagle-eyed fans are there all across the world and they're always spotting stuff so somebody writes guy hamilton a letter and he's like hello guy hamilton i noticed that the car db5 has different tires when he rolls into the petrol station and different tires when he's driving in the swiss alps so the guy hamilton loves this he <laughs> writes back this little nine-year-old kid and he's like you know dear paul or whatever uh, you spotted one of the six on-purpose mistakes we made in this film. If you can find the other five, you can come to Pinewood and meet James Bond. And he says in the documentary stuff, like, I imagine this kid went with his friends to see this movie ten times, and wow. they're just looking, trying <laughs> to find different stuff so that they can get back in to see it.
2: Right. I mean, because it's the 60s, it's not like they've got it on Blu-ray or on demand. Like They've got to go there and watch it. Like they can't pause, they can't slow mo, they had to go to the movie. <laughs> Glue your eyes open. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep watching. Uh no snacks, no drinks, otherwise you're gonna miss and you're gonna go to the bathroom. <laughs>
0: I, I think the car kinda the car is huge here. Um it's like a character almost. Uh I love that it keeps coming back. I love that we see it again in later films that they use it in both Goldeneye and in uh Skyfall. Yep. It's I believe we're going to see it again a couple times uh, between now and then in a in the a couple of remaining Sean Connery films that we have left, uh, but they they marketed the hell out of this. They Corgi, which was not like Hot Wheels; they're more like a larger car company that made like models of toys. Um, they released this in 1965. They released one every year because it was a consistently popular product. 1994, they released a uh, for the 40th anniversary excuse me, 30th anniversary, they release a uh, 14-carat gold version.
2: That's um, fucking awesome. It's <laughs>
0: fucking great. The Corgi toy had the ejector seat. Like, it, it's so super sweet. Uh, and then, like, the cultural influence of the car. I don't think we get the Batmobile if if this didn't exist. That's, like,
1: a, fair, that's a good point, yeah. Totally. You
0: know, like, the things that this inspires and kind of goes on to influence, I, I think it's just, I think it's so fucking big. And it's it's just magnificent. It's sexy. It's suave. It's it's fast. It's got all the toys. Uh, it's got other gadgets that they didn't use uh, that actually come out in Casino Royale. That oh, that's he's got cool. like a weapons drawer. He had a radio telephone. He had like try nails that that like, he could put out to you know blow people's tires. He had ramming bumpers. Like they shot
2: all this stuff. They didn't even put it in the movie. Uh, we love it. I love it. I love it it's like that's I epic like it really is a game changer um I, like it's one thing to watch them in the film go through the process of destroying it because like that's what they always do right it's like yes okay you've got this awesome car and this is why q hates you because you always find a way to uh you know dismember it in multiple ways but like they bought four of them and destroyed them all <laughs> like that's, yeah that's nuts
0: it was awesome, and I think that uh, one of the – oh, my God. I love the line where, um, you know, Q is explaining the ejector seat, and then James Bond says, ejector seat? You're joking. <laughs> and I never joke about my work, 007. It's, it's iconic as hell. That's it right there. Right there. You know, and, and ugh, the influence that goes on to have, it's it's just great. And I'm so happy that it's here. I'm so happy that we get to see it. I love it in other references like I love in Catch Me If You Can when Leonardo DiCaprio's Frank Abagnale goes and sees uh, Goldfinger in the theaters and then goes out in the next scene. He's driving a DB5 in Manhattan like that's absolutely out of control. Awesome. Uh, I don't people say it's the most famous car of all time. I turn this now to you, Josh. Do you think it's the most famous car of all time?
1: absolutely i mean up second would probably be my uh 99 mercury sable that i had in high school and college <laughs> <laughs> that one was drifting around the city of stillwater oklahoma no but absolutely i love the car it's great i one thing i wish i wish we did have more banter between him and q because that was it's it's terrific it's funny and especially this the background shenanigans that's going on at, in the little headquarters You got People getting shot like point blank with an assault rifle, oh, gas awesome. mask, and like a weird area. But uh, yeah, this is the throwaway line. It's like, you never return my gadgets. He's like, oh. and he's like, oh, wait, we got to give you an hour lecture before uh, you get and turn this baby out. And he's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> I-, I love the whole thing. I want more Q in this movie. They definitely could have ramped it up, but fantastic. And a great car, absolutely. Yeah. Uh,
2: it's, I mean, and it's, it's like, delicious. It, it sets the stage, right? Like, obviously. Desmond Llewellyn will be in 16 or whatever films. And uh, so he will continue to grow on this, but like they even set it up for uh, when Ben Whishaw takes off- over for the character later. It's like, he, yeah, he's got this disdain for bond. Like he like respects him, but he also is like, it's like that coworker that like, he's really good at his job, but like, also you always have to like clean up after him. Like it's, <laughs> he's the original it guy who
0: has yeah. to take your computer that you filled up with porn and clean it up and make it all nice again. <laughs> yes. You exactly. know, like, and that's 100%. such a
2: great character. Um,
0: I also, oh, my God.
2: I also love that it's kind of the origin story for it. Like, w- when we had the origin story for the gun, the Walter PPK, like, here it's like, where's my Bentley? And it's like, oh, we've got an upgrade for you. Like, we've got something special. Like, that's pretty cool. Like, it's not just, like, casually, all right, next car, what do we got now? It, it, it's like there's an origin, and it, it's it's great. Um it's yeah, I, I just love it so much. I, I've been wa- wanting it for so long. <laughs> I'm so I'm so glad that
0: it's here. I'm so glad that we got it. Um and now like I just want to again turn back to Ken Adam, who's the production designer for this movie, who's fresh off of Doctor Strange Love, right? So that he doesn't do From Rush with Love, he's he's um because he's making Doctor Strange Love with Kubrick. He comes in and he does this and the sets in this movie are fucking epic. Iconic epic sets. Uh, the laser room. The, mm-hmm. This is the first time a laser is ever used in a movie, period.
1: Wow! Like, wow.
0: there's no lasers in movies until 1964. Uh, the uh, the Rumpus Room in Uh, Kentucky with the floor that opens up and the fireplace that comes down and all the cool modern ask furniture. Like if I, I I would live in an apartment that was just (laughs) that room. Like I'd be happy out of my mind. I, Oh my God. There. And then also Fort Knox, like it's just, and then we can play the game after this, the Fort Knox set. I love this. The comptroller, there was a woman, a comptroller for uh, Fort Knox wrote. Can Adam, and was like, beautiful job. Like, you did such a uh, masterful and inspiring set for the interior. Because they were not allowed to go in. Of course uh, not. They <laughs> could go around the outside. They could fly over it. They could do all the drawings to make sure the uh, version that they were working on in Pinewood back in London was as close as they could get. But it, you know, they had to imagine, you know. And... Uh, guy hamilton goes to camp he's like i picture a cathedral of gold and like that is exactly
2: what it is and it, oh my it's it's like spotless and clean and and shiny like the floors there's just like nothing around It's just it's like i remember that too like that's something that's stuck in my memory from before it's like that fight scene where you everything is around you it's like oh man and yeah i you only got to imagine yeah think about like okay so wait You've got this plot of a movie where you're gonna try and rob the uh, rob Fort Knox, and you want to go inside. It's like it's all <laughs> a ruse for them to actually rob Fort Knox.
0: <laughs> that would actually be a cool, like a you know, like a alternate history movie. Like Guy Hamilton and Broccoli and Saltzman <laughs> are trying to rob
2: Fort Knox. A movie within, a movie. within <laughs> a movie.
0: Oh my god! All right, so Josh, we play a game. It's a stupid game, but it's a, we we try hard over here. Um, you're so, selling
1: it well. I like stupid games. Let's do it.
0: So, we try to summarize the plot of this movie in as few words as possible.
1: Ooh, okay.
0: Um, going into it, I didn't I remembered Fort Knox, but I didn't remember the how and the why and the what. And something that we found super helpful in watching these movies, especially when dealing with the plot is to watch with subtitles, cuz sometimes the plot just goes so fast um you you can't really pick up on it this one I don't think there's that problem here um so I turn it to you, our uh amazing guest
1: ooh okay so one sentence as
0: as few words as possible it doesn't have to be one sentence
1: all right all right i'm I'm going I'm off the top of the head here we go uh horny suave <laughs> spy man <laughs> Thwart's creepy cheater man's plan to inflate his profits at the (laughs) the at the at the the, the hand of the public people. I don't know. Something like that.
0: Uh, That was so good. That was
2: so good, Josh.
1: Adjective heavy, but I tried. I wanted to get there in one sentence. But yeah.
2: Frank, you want to take a pass? James Bond is Tasked with stopping Goldfinger from uh, radio making all of the gold in the U.S. radioactive, therefore irradiating, irradiating, therefore increasing his profits and tanking the global uh, the U.S. economy. But he stops them.
0: I I think you guys both did great. Um, the one part I didn't remember, and I really liked that. Uh, I watched it with the subtitles was learning that uh he was working with china and that they set up the plot that china wants to sow dissent in the west so they give him the dirty bomb and then he can then go on to do that and i was like oh my god like you know we just had from russia with love they bring back another superpower I had no idea we were playing with those kinds of stakes. I also, we all know, I sell radiation protection.
1: <laughs> I was thinking about you the whole time. I was like, oh, if they <laughs> only had.
0: <laughs> you know, I love that. And it's actually, I think, a pretty compelling plot that, you know, Goldfinger wants to irradiate the the bars of gold in Fort Knox, thus devaluing them. And at that point, this is before, uh, if you're paying attention at home to how the U.S. economy is working, um, at this time, the U.S. economy, the dollar, was backed up by the gold in Fort Knox and in other strategic locations, uh, and this was before we went to what I would now call the idea of the dollar, where we <laughs> the, we imagine the dollar has this value based on how the stock market is doing, and, you know, we all just believe it, <laughs> you know, like, at least at this time, like, <laughs> things actually had value in money, so I don't know. Uh, the game's bit up and the th-
2: points don't matter.
0: exactly um oh my god uh okay great passes on the on the game gentlemen so let's bring this right into goldfinger himself uh played by gert frobe um i got some good yeah definitely great name i got some fun trivia on this guy hamilton saw gert frobe in a german uh like spy film or like a noir film and Kurt frobe plays a child molester and he's like this is the guy i that's want for my what <laughs> yeah
1: jeez, uh, he's Ruff. a great child molester i could say i could just from looking at him i'm sure he <laughs> he, he won a oscar for the child molester awards <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know they did different stuff back
1: then um the i don't know man
0: so did you guys know that that's not his voice uh, yeah when i uh, looked it up
2: it's dubbed yeah
1: Interesting. I didn't know. I had an inkling, so I thought it was a little off or weird. I was like, yeah, maybe that's just the old time movie, whatever look. But uh, ah, now you mention it. huh? So what's his real sound like?
0: Michael Collins is a British actor. Uh, He dubs him. So Gert Frobe shows up on set. He goes to Guy Hamilton. He says, hello, I am so happy to be here. And then he realized that is all this motherfucker could say. So he's like, okay, uh, all right, well, you look super cool. We'll just dub you. It doesn't even matter. And they give him the direction, say all your lines really fast to have with some kind of intensity. As we know from Lucas, that's the most important direction anybody can give. And they pretty much nail it. Like, There's a couple spots I think you can really tell the difference, but I think the most iconic line that Gert Frobe gets to say is delivered perfectly and is highlight reel ready when bond turns to me and he's like, you expect me to talk? And he's like, no, Mr.
2: Bond, I expect you to die. <laughs> so classic. It's so good. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's really interesting. Like as we've been going through all these older films, like how many people were dubbed. Um, yeah. It, it And like, I don't I don't know. It just was like a choice that they made that were like, Well, you look the part, but you don't sound the part, so like I don't know. I just don't think that, that that happens anymore these days. Like um and like the other thing that's weird, like there's this throwaway line where they're talking like, Oh, is is he German or Swiss? He's like, No, he's British, he just doesn't sound it or something. Like it's <laughs> like what the fuck <laughs> Yeah.
0: It, well, I think what they were trying to play off of was, like, before they could really talk about what Project Paperclip was at that time, you know, um, what we know about now that, you know, the Allies gave, you know, certain Nazis, uh, and we'll just say it. We'll say Nazis, not Germans. Certain Nazis' permission to come to the West if they had something to offer. You know, obviously his metallurgic uh, abilities and his, you know, jewelry and his, you know, love of gold um, plays hugely into this. Uh, Here's this. This was super interesting. Uh, Ian Fleming writes Goldfinger in 1959 after going to a spa where he met a metallurgist, a German metallurgist who was obsessed with gold and taught him everything he needed to know for this movie. So it's coming from firsthand accounts. Like I fucking love that. That's awesome. Uh, And I think he's menacing as hell. Uh, I think he's definitely evil-looking enough, but I also think he added a certain level of menace that um, Dr. No doesn't have, that Rosa Klebb in the final scene, the final fight scene, does not show. And you see this guy who's, like, a real genuine threat. And I love the fact that he comes back at the end. The twist ending is fucking awesome.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And as as a villain, you like the fact that he's, like not this all-powerful guy, because he's kind of also just a loser. Like, he's cheating at gin, he's cheating at golf. He's, oh, like, yeah. he's just a terrible cheat, and that just makes you hate him even more, because that's, like, the worst thing to do. But, uh, just, yeah, a great villain all around. He he's he nailed it. Yeah. And so did the writers and everything.
2: And, like, I love his plan, right? He's like, you know, all these, like, fantastic accomplishments that have happened throughout human history, except for crime. Like, he's like, oh, he's so just... so good. He's just, like, this bad, evil gangster. And, like... He just like a large scale bank robber, right? Like he's just trying to cheat people out. And like, yeah, you really, you hate him, but you love him at the same time. And like, I, I do, I do appreciate that he's in like pretty much all of the movie. Like sometimes it's nice to have them like lurking in the shadows, but like, for him to be, like, front and center and to to see all of his, like, manipulations and to, to watch it, like, deteriorate around him as Bond is, like, trying to stop him is really awesome. Um, yeah, I, I do. I think his presence is cool. I, it's just so funny to me. Like, I think the hard thing about it is, like, watching this movie now after – especially after watching Goldmember, like, two weeks ago whenever it was. <laughs> it's really, like, they, they lampoon it so hard, like – yeah so many lines like i love gold yeah yeah, like (laughs) let me explain my evil plot to you right now and (laughs) put you in a a, a precarious situation that you'll somehow escape
0: (laughs) but even goldfinger isn't that bad because like his original plan of killing bond right then and there is so awesome and such a different direction for the midpoint of a bond movie at that time like you don't get to Dr. No till the last third of the movie. Like here, Goldfinger is going to kill James Bond. No doubt about it. Like he's, he's going to get castrated first. Horrible. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's going to be sliced in half by this laser. And I love the idea that Bond kind of manipulates him. And he's like, Hey man, like, uh, if you think that, you know, you can kill me and then this is just over, like, you're kind of stupid, man. Like, they know what I know. I've already told them. Even though we know Bond hasn't told them. Right. Uh, you know, he's like, all right, like, I know about Grand Slam. I know what's going on. And then sets up, I think, a really compelling uh, relationship between them that Goldfinger has to keep Bond close but not too close. And he has to keep him, you know, uh, you know, um, occupied. But not in a way that is like you know putting him in a, a room with one inept guard. Like we see what that what happens when bon, when he
2: does that.
1: Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> he, he does the whole "I'm walking down the stairs" trick, like behind the couch, whole thing. So funny. Oh,
2: uh, it's so good. I love that he comes up to the window several times and he like he winks at him. <laughs> it's like gives him a little nod. His uh, <laughs> oh charm
1: knows no bounds. Oh man. my god, he's charming everything.
2: I was like half expecting him to like seduce the guy as he walked in. <laughs> like well, he's
0: just I mean, the hairpiece is really working in this one in, in the ways that the Roger Moore's didn't work at, the, at later on, but he's just uh, moving to Sean Connery. he's so fucking handsome in this movie. like it's just un- it's undeniable. he is he is male masculine s- sexuality, like the the suits the fucking suits man the gray one the brown one when he's uh driving the car uh, the white dinner jacket, the white dinner jacket,
2: man, like it's so good, like which is underneath the scuba suit.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, he makes wearing a, a duck hat look fantastic. <laughs> which by the way, it's like the dopest like spy trickery for how advanced are. Like, uh, let's just tape like a mallard to a top of your hat. He look makes <laughs> he makes like a
2: terry cloth onesie look good yeah. <laughs> by <Yeah>. the pool. <laughs> Oh my
0: God, would that I had the body. I would wear that shit. Um, <laughs> yo, man. And I love the scene in the Fountain Blue in Miami, the when the music kicks in and the helicopter's flying over. Holy crap. Like, it's just awesome. You see the guy dive in. We were totally immersed in the luxury and, you know, exoticness of Miami Beach. Yeah, and then, like his introduction again, like, He's getting a fucking massage from this beautiful fucking blonde woman. Like, and oh my God, he's, it's just that, that sequence, I think in Miami is, it's really, really epic and really awesome. It's so highlight reel ready to go. Um, And like, it's, I think it's only like 10 or 15 minutes, but it, it feels like, you know, and even after you see the, the, the cold open, like, it just feels like I could be here forever. Like, let's just stay. Why do we have to go anywhere? Yeah. Um,
2: Oh my God. We see Felix again, Felix. Yeah. Oh and he's God. in a good amount of the movie. Like it's interesting how he's like, I, I trust bond and I think he's got this. And like, we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't Im- impede on his, his moves. Cause like, I know, I know what he does. I know he's like either gambling or women. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, they're just like on the fringe of helping him for so long. And it's like, Oh, come on. Just like you, you want that whole sequence to play out where, uh, the, he puts the note in the car, like, Oh, is he going to get it to Felix? And, and he ultimately doesn't, but like, I don't know. Felix is a cool character here. Um, because like, that's the other thing. This movie like is mostly in America, right? It is, Mm -hmm.
0: which I think worked for them in, in a big way because, you know, you get to really play around with the, with the sets. It's actually crazy. The car crunching scene is shot in Miami. Um, but you never know. And the way that they build the world and you have the globe trotting kind of feel to it, even though we're not in Jamaica, we're not in, uh, the far East yet, which we will get to, uh, you know, this, this, Switzerland, the Alps are magnificent. Yeah. Um. The Fort Knox location feels so real and and realized. Ugh, I, I I dig it, man. I I really I really fell for the sets in this movie. Um. But back to Sean Connery. Um. So I, I we got to talk about um, you know, and we'll talk about this a little bit later too. Sean Connery is rough with the women. Um. And I, yeah. Uh, this is not a Me Too friendly movie, period. Um, you know, it starts with him, uh, you know, making out with the, the girl in the cold open and killing her. It, then it moves on to, um, you know, slapping a dink on the ass to, you know, pretty much walking in on this girl's hotel room and, uh, you know, kind of seducing her and, and we can go on and on from here. Um... It's interesting to me that Sean Connery kind of does these moves, and then we see them portrayed by Roger Moore one time, and they kind of make a big change at yeah. a certain point in the seventies. Um, this is definitely, you know, very chauvinist and and you know very much of its time. Uh, and I don't know, like, I didn't find it distracting. I don't think that this movie could be like um you know if they were going to remake this movie you know like they would have to go some crazy different directions uh yeah. how did you guys feel about the violence towards women and uh is it unforgivable uh,
2: you know I, I i think that is one thing that's really hard as as we talk about these uh, in historical context um i i mean i don't know is it unforgivable that I don't know if I'm the the right person to answer that, but like, I, I do know that watching the scene with pussy galore in the barn was like the most uncomfortable I've been in a really long time watching any of these. Like, because, because it's not so much like all the other women that he seduces throughout the films, like, Oh, they fall for him because they're like, they don't care that much. They're, they're just like, they're there. They're, they're going to, And like, that's sad and that sucks too. But like the fact that she like actually had agency and was like a really great character through the movie and had like an important uh, job to do and that like he was seducing her, but like also just like forcing himself on her. And that's what's different. It's like, it it wasn't just like, Oh, let's like, like fall in love. Like blah, blah, blah. You know, you want me. It was like, he pushed her down and they made it seem okay. That was what was bad.
1: Yeah, that whole, so the like, the other women in the movie, he he's definitely using more charm, like suave, slash, like, they're just so attracted to it, him, it appears. But, yeah, with Pussy Galore, at first, it's like, oh, this is kind of funny. They're doing, like, some, they're flipping each other around. Seems like they're both just play fighting a little bit. But then when he's on top, it, there's a lot of resistance for that kiss. You're like, holy hell, what am I watching? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And they glorify it, and then they make it a plot point that, like, basically because he slept with her, she changed her mind to not help Goldfinger and changed out the the gas tanks. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And The only—I thought of a rewrite, so the only way they could
0: fix it is, like, he's about to, like, you know, really make out with her, and, like, Goldfinger's guards, like, come to the barn door, and, like, Pussy Galore waves him off. Like, that would be— like how you save that because then it would show that she's like kind of having advocacy that she's, you know, kind of in charge. Cause this is, are they really in love? Like it doesn't really feel like that. It kind of no. feels like two professional badasses kind of like, you know, appreciating each other's abilities, you know, <laughs> yeah. more so than like really falling for each other in this one.
2: Totally. Like, yeah, it's like, she's not a secret agent or, or a spy like in some other instances, but she's a professional, um, and, you know, she's a pilot and can clearly, like, hold her own, even though she is unwise enough to shoot a gun in a plane <laughs> as a pilot. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> but. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, that, that part's a little bit rough on a pilot. I'll give it to Goldfinger at the end of the movie, but yeah. it was definitely, you know, that, that part, they were setting it they up. They were setting you know it I mean? up, absolutely. They yeah. had
2: to. But, like, it should have been somebody else, and it shouldn't have been Pussy, because, like, she's a fucking pilot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Fucking pussy galore. What? Honor Blackman. What a name! <laughs>
2: Great I name.
0: Mean, yeah. So they almost changed it to Kitty Galore for the American audiences from the book, which was Pussy Galore. Uh, I'm so glad they did, that they did not. I I revere them for not on all the American marketing. Her name is hidden. There, she doesn't have a trading card. <laughs> she doesn't have an action figure. Nothing. Um, that I thought was was very awesome. I love her introduction. Um when she's on the plane and he wakes up and you know, my name is Pussy Galore. He's like, I gotta be dreaming. <laughs> 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 oh my god. Oh, so good. But so like So she was on the Avengers. Yeah, she was like another Diana Avenger. Rigg. Yeah, yeah. Ah. Um she's great. I, I think she's like other than the rapey parts, like she really kind of steals the movie in a couple locations. She's really she's First of all, she's astoundingly beautiful. Um, but, you know, I love the piloting stuff. I love her little pilot girl squad. I Her flying circus. Yeah, the <laughs> sequel, her flying circus. Uh, I, I don't know. I thought she was, like, it's interesting. I don't think she's the quintessential Bond girl, though. Nope. You know what I mean? Nah, like, we all. haven't originated it yet. Like, that's, it, ha- it almost has to go to Honey and Ursula Andress because – She's the first one we see, but I don't know. I don't necessarily think of her as the quintessential one. I think of her as, like, a, a branch, a brand, a version. What do you think, Josh?
1: Uh, I mean, I definitely wouldn't say she's the, the quintessential one. But what the, what I do like about her is that, as we talk about, like, she is her own person. She's, like, very strong-willed and independent. And, like, especially... Whenever they're in Kentucky and uh, Goldfinger's, like, saying, like, hey, you know, stay with me. What are you going to do after this? Like, tries like, rubber hand all creepily. She's like, oh, I'll put a no trespassing sign up, blah, blah, blah.
2: <laughs> and, she's, like, yeah.
1: she, and she shoots down James Bond in the play in the first meet. She's like, you can turn your charm off. It doesn't work. All that stuff. So I, I like her character and how she kind of seems to definitely be doing her own thing. And she's just – she's there for the job. She's going to fly. But, uh, I mean, I, Definitely not the main Bond woman that I would think of, but she does a good job. She holds her own in the movie. She definitely
0: does. And yep. uh, if you go back and watch the, um, well, I was watching the bonus material on the the Blu-ray for this. The bonus material is is fantastic. Chef's kiss, good. Uh, she was alive. They got to talk to her in the early two thousands, and she was like, "How did you feel about being Pussy Galore?" And she was like, "I fucking loved it." <laughs> She, you know, she's like, how prude can you be to not get the fucking joke? You know what yeah. I mean? And uh, I, I love that. And she was super happy about it. She had done the judo in, you know, Avengers and the other TV stuff that she had done. Uh, she said that she had practiced all of the judo moves for this role on concrete. So when she got there and there was straw everywhere, specifically for her, she was like, this is awesome. I love it. She also said working with Sean Connery was a dream. She loved it. She loved him. She Mm -hmm. found him super charming and and handsome. Uh, And that made me feel good. You know, it was definitely, you know, a different time in Hollywood. And, you know, that story could have gone way different.
2: Yeah, that's true. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing that, like, when we were covering Octopussy, the film. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) uh, Like, I do think it's a cultural thing. I think Pussy Galore you know, sounds really, really bad to us as Americans, but like maybe to the Brits, it's not quite as bad. Um, you have a good point. Um, but and so, which makes sense why they were considering changing it. But like what I read is like, if you're a 10 year old watching this and you know what that means, you're like, <laughs> you're already <laughs> too far gone. Like we can't save <laughs> you. <laughs> um, oh my God. Um, but she's then, not the only. Bond no, girl. she's certainly she's, there's not. So That's... many in this film.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, Shirley Eaton, Jill Masterson. Ooh. Oh my God!
1: Terrible shot, but a looker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, th- well, then there's. J- J- well, no, 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 that's Tilly Masterson. That's- oh, I'm sorry. Oh,
1: yeah. It's okay. The- um, yeah,
0: it's she's serious. also very attractive too. But I think the the bikini shot in in Miami with her when he walks in, Bond, James Bond the theme kicks in. Oh yeah. Um, and then he gets on the radio with Goldfinger, like that's fucking iconic as hell.
2: Well, I mean and, and talk about iconic, like this movie, Goldfinger, like if you if you've seen it or you know anything about it, that image of the woman like covered in gold paint is just like is what you see. And yeah, that's her well, whether or not it's her it depends on the poster, but like you know, that's hey, to good, be that good trivia, Frank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, she's great. I, I the, other, the one thing though that still like confuses me, and maybe they said this and I missed it in the movie, but like, is it that Goldfinger has this earpiece in and like the guy he's playing cards with sees it and he just like thinks he's listening to the radio or he just like doesn't see it?
0: No, I think it's a hearing device because oh. he, when he's playing with, um, when he's playing with the guy, and he said, "Did you say this amount of money?" and he turns it up, uh. and then he puts it on the table at a certain point. That's what I thought, Josh. What do you think?
1: So, I mean, I like to gamble here and there, mainly sports gambling. But I'll tell you this: that's a big big oversight of this movie to where this guy's like willingly losing and, and continuously losing money playing this game with them and at one point he's never just like hey what what the hell's up with this uh this little thing here like no gambler would ever be like yeah you can have some hearing aid in that's totally fine like not even <laughs> geriatrics would let that slide they would have to Like big oversight in the movie but uh yeah yeah still
2: fun and it's fun because then they they flip the script on him right and bond like forces him to to lose which is really satisfying um mm. it's actually it's like it's fun to watch goldfinger get frustrated
0: <laughs> yes oh my god <laughs> yes when he breaks the pencil oh it's so good
1: and then uh, make them nod in agreement with those like, like yeah again it's, he's a villain but he's like humanized where he's not yeah. this all power. like he, he gets you know cut down a few blocks throughout Totally.
0: Right. Here's my trivia for the Miami scene. This was shot in March. So March 1964 is one month after the Beatles are on Ed Sullivan. Wow. Ooh. Right? So that's where the reference is there because they the Americans had just been introduced to them. Um, and then uh, this the Miami shoots, uh, they brought in the press to shoot um, – uh shirley eaton in the gold paint and to do an interview with uh sean connery for radio which was then syndicated all across the country and this is the last time ian fleming visits the set um so he's there in march of 1964 he will die i believe in may of 1964 does not get to see goldfinger come out does not get to see the legacy of what goldfinger goes on to do uh, this is the last movie to have the personal touch of the originator. Um, and that, I think that's fucking cool. Um, and so awesome that he was in Miami and not fucking Pinewood nasty ass London. He's like, Oh no, 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 no. I- I'll see you guys at the fountain blue. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. Uh, so moving and grooving, um, we got to talk about the golf scene. Um, I think the golf scene is again, another iconic, Uh, part of this film where you know goldfinger is playing james bond uh you know for their gambling to play uh goldfinger plays dumb and you know pretends he doesn't recognize james bond um until james bond drops a bar of nazi gold on the green and (laughs) oh my god it hits with such an awesome like thud like it's so oh my it's such a great shot and then the reflection of the gold on uh gert frobe's face as he's looking at it and squaring up the putt oh my god it's so fucking awesome um and then this brings us to here before we can get into ratings because i don't want to spoil anything else and repeat ourselves too too much the introduction of the greatest the og the number one physical antagonist of all time harold sakoda odd job Woo!
1: that's the reason i'm here baby <laughs> <laughs> If if you, you obviously can't tell uh, unless you have some sixth sense, but I'm Asian, so that's what they needed a token Asian to talk odd job. I used to say, hey, I, I'm I'm there for you guys. I I will, I will give you all the passes.
0: Thank you no. so much for coming on and 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 giving us the blessing, as Mel Brooks once said. Uh, so, I mean, this guy's fucking incredible. This guy's fucking incredible. Um, he was an Olympic wrestler. From Hawaii, born in Honolulu, Hawaii, gold medalist, comes in, and he's he destroys. I mean, he was one of my favorite characters to play in the video game.
2: He's a beast oh, of a man. Of course. He Like, I, I think that the, the shame, th- I mean, maybe I, I'd have to look it up, but, like, the, the thing that's a real shame about the video game is, like, oh, my God, he's this really short guy, right? Like, it's not fair mm-hmm. to play as our job. And, like, you, you <laughs> see him in the movie, and, like, I don't want to go up against this man. He's like scary and huge, and like you throw things at him and they just bounce off. Like, oh, he's so badass. Oh my God, he's such a badass.
1: Yeah, he, he's a great little Asian Hulk. Throughout, uh, he he talks just like Hulk. Ah, he just yells. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if they had to dub his voice. No, but um, <laughs> I, yeah, he's he's great. He's Korean, so he, I'm I'm also Korean, so he's got the Korean royalty going, especially because I mean you could argue it now, but definitely like the '60s, Asians aren't prominent in movies, and uh, no, they're not for like an Asian male for him to be like a badass, even though there's like some Asian trophy things about him. But overall, like he, he's not like emasculated in any way. He, he's fucking breaking steel pipes and stuff. He's he's got a very starchy hat he throws, which is funny but cool. Um, <laughs> he but, s- uh,
2: squeezes the golf ball and just crushes yeah! it with his hand.
1: Oh, I love it. But no, Odd Job's fantastic. I, I'm all in on on Odd Job. A bad. So
2: there's a
0: great. You guys got to look this up. I'll probably I'll post it on the Facebook tonight. Um, there is a Vicks cough syrup ad from 1965 where it's Harold Sakota um coughing and every time he coughs he like smashes a fence or a mailbox or something like on his <laughs> way back to his wife and like he's like he's destroyed the entire block and then <laughs> his wife opens up the door Puts the spoonful of sugar medicine in his mouth, he takes it, they they bow at each other, which is culturally insensitive now. But ah. they bow at each other and then they turn back and you see the block is just like on fire, the fire hydrant's exploding. <laughs> it's a it's a really awesome ad, and he's in character as Oddjob with the hat and the suit and everything. <laughs> it, that was that was so cool. And then on set, he was super sweet. Like there's really great pictures of him. Uh, with the kids in the golf at the golf course, like they're all like trying to squeeze his his bicep, and he's like lifting like the little kids up and down. Um, I, I think he's I think he's awesome. I think he's definitely a big part of why Jaws became so great. That they like saw Jaws is another physical antagonist, and we're gonna move right into ratings after this, so we don't have to explain it anymore. But uh, the physical antagonist, Josh, we decided as we were watching the movies that usually there's going to be a villain who's got the master plan, right? A Mr. Big, somebody who's going to be figuring it out. But it's not always the case that Bond is going to go necessarily into fisticuffs with the main villain. This is a rare one where he actually goes to both. But, uh, you know, they needed somebody to really have Bond grapple with. And Oddjob is definitely – he's not the first one, but he's definitely, I, I think, the absolute best one. Like, hes he's so threatening, he's so memorable – uh, the hat throwing um, again, yeah.
1: And like, he has he has a very distinct look, like Jaws. Like with Jaws, it kind of did the opposite, right? Like, oh, let's get a real big, tall guy. But uh, they, yeah, they have they have their physical attributes that make them stand out and di- are different. Uh, and I, I will say this, man, it must have been tough being an Asian guy in the nineteen sixties when this movie came out. Because I guarantee all they heard was odd job. <laughs> Guaranteed. Oh, my God. Jesus. That's that's one of the things. Yeah. As an Asian dude, you get psyched and stoked if there's, like, an Asian character in like a, a pretty big role. But then you always know it's, like, you know, it's, it's bittersweet. It's like, all right, I'm going to have to hear that name for at least the next three years. It happened oh. with uh, Jeremy Lin for me. I was so excited. Ah, Lin Sandy. Look at Jeremy Lin over here. It, ha- it happens with everything. So it's bittersweet. But uh, at least he's a, a tough badass in this movie.
2: I, I just looked it up. He... Harold Sakata is 5'10", and Sean wow. Connery is 6'2". Like, it's, yeah. that's the three inches. Like, that's, like, not that huge of a difference, but, like, the video game, like, totally glorifies it um, because he he's a big man. Um, beefy. But, yeah. Um, I think the thing with Jaws, you were saying, is, like, I, as awesome as he is later on and as threatening as he is and as nice as it is that when they, like, Turn him good. Spoilers for Moonraker. <laughs> um, <laughs> like it kind of undercuts his him as a physical antagonist as a threat because like Odd job will forever be this bad guy, this badass yes. villain that he had to fight and ultimately kill in order to save the day.
0: So, last bit of trivia before ratings. I'm I'm sorry. I know I keep belating the point. uh So Guy Hamilton, they're shooting the final fight scene in the the vault at Fort Knox. Um, as they're shooting the scene where uh, Ajab ultimately meets his untimely demise, uh, when he goes to grab the hat in the metal bars, uh, and James Bond then electrifies it with the you know the the stray cable, uh, Harold Sakota actually got pretty badly burned um, from the fireworks on mm-hmm. what's going on, and then Guy Hamilton, you know on the on the video he's like you know, he got really badly burned. Uh, You know, I I felt really bad about it, but then, you know, Harold Sakota came to me after the shot and he's like, you know, you never yelled cut. So I just kept rolling with it, man. That was, that was what we could do. And it's just like a totally different style of filmmaking. You know what I mean? Like it was totally a time when like the director and was the king, the God, and then the actors were just play toys. You know what I mean? They were not given any credit. They were not given any um, advocacy to, make sure that they were safe and that the conditions were fair and that they weren't being, you know, misused in any way. Um, I don't know, man. It, uh, I I think it's super cool that he like toughed it out and like, you know, obviously went on to, you know, come back for all the trivia. He wasn't too pissed off about it. I was like, Oh man, they they hurt my boy. (laughs) It (laughs) may have hurt.
1: As, as much of a bummer it is like the, the safety on the set wasn't probably great, but what's so fantastic about these old movies, like, one of the things I noticed throughout is, like, all the action scenes, it's, like, just all really shot. and so You know, it's not, like, close-up angles of things. It's, it's a wide shot, so you see all the cars driving. You see the different fight scenes. So that's one thing I loved about it. And, like, they really had to rely on, like, what they could do at the time. It wasn't so technology-influenced and, like, based on. So I thought that was cool.
0: The action really does hold up in this movie. Like, it, you definitely feel... Um, the threats that Bond's under, you feel the fight scenes a lot more viscerally than the older movies. It's a lot less judo-chop, you know, (laughs) and then, like, things happen. Uh, You're immediately, you know, aware of the power of Ajab from, you know, the the refrigerator scene. All right. Uh, Before we get into ratings, any other final thoughts, spoilery ideas, things that we may have
2: missed? Um, The only other thing I'll say is... Uh, last movie from Russia with Love, actually, well, the first two, tease Spectre and tease Blofeld. Yes. This one has nothing to do with it. So this is like, you know, I, I mean, it, it's kind of actually a lot like Skyfall in a way, like where they're starting to tease out this bigger threat, and then they just take this this journey and make this fantastic movie. Um, so obviously, yeah, Spectre will come back and we'll see more of them. Um, but I, this movie just on its own, for it to be a single mission
1: uh, to take down Goldfinger is, is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love it. I think it's awesome. And if anything, not only should people see it because it's such a great movie and a great Bond movie, um, they should see it just to see like how, like, as you mentioned earlier, culturally influential it was, especially with comedies. Like My favorite Simpsons episode of all time really relies on this. Absolutely. It's, it's the one where it's, uh, You Only Move Twice with Hank uh, Scorpio when Homer gets a new job, if you haven't seen it, rewatch it. Cause they, they do the laser scene. I mean, they hit a bunch of different bomb movies, but Goldfinger is definitely one of the big influences. Of that one great, great Simpsons. episode. it's like season eight, but fantastic.
0: Oh, I got to check this out. I will go watch this right after this. That that sounds fantastic. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is like, this is the shit. Um, so okay so now we're gonna get into ratings i'm gonna tell you audiences we gave this movie a very very high rating so if you're cool with knowing that frank and i both loved it (laughs) um you don't have to listen any further we are going to cover one thing that we have not discussed yet and that is the opening sequence the opening sequence of a bond movie is cemented here when guy hamilton comes in and he's like what if we had like just like this opening you know part of the movie that has nothing to do with the rest of the plot that is gonna, you know, generate the excitement and do things that we can't do on a smaller storyline. Like, let's show the like the seagull hat. Let's show, you know, this huge big explosion. The C four at the time, which people didn't know what what that was. Um, the great fight sequence in the girl's apartment. Um, this is iconic. This changes the game. This changes Bond forever. Bond will always have one of these cold opens in it going forward. Uh, I I think it's a 10 out of 10. It's the OG. It's the originator. I agree.
2: 10. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. Um, It it just, it sets the stage. And I, I agree. It, there's a lot of tension in there. And it, it's just like, it's like if they made a Bond TV show, you would get this like little, like these smaller missions, but like yeah. having this little taste here is like, oh no, he's got a job. He does a lot. And this is one of his missions. And then it, you know, Actually, the other thing that's really awesome about this opening sequence is, like, we have the the song, too, right? Like, it goes into yes. the credits, and the song is just so good, um, and the design and everything that they have, and uh, it, it just it, – that's – like you said, they set it up, and they will do this for, for everything else after.
0: The song was a major hit. We're going to talk about that, but it was a major hit. It went gold. <laughs> yeah of course it did <laughs> um what did you think of the opening sequence josh
1: oh i i'm right there with you guys it was fantastic it's fun and one of my favorite lines of the movie at the beginning is like they just really briefly toss like a like mention why he was blowing the place up the sea forge like Yeah, you know, those heroin-flavored bananas, not on my watch. It's like, what? Like, I kind of want more heroin banana story. Come on, that's hilarious. I got to
0: believe, back to Frank's point, that this is a Spectre plot.
1: Ooh. Uh That makes sense.
0: You know, like, they're out there doing this.
1: But yeah, I'm all in. The, the opening singlets is fantastic. All the women in gold with the song. And a, a, again, like uh, what I love about it is that it's not too technology based, like where computers are involved. I mean, like they do the, the overlapping of the shots and things like that, like double exposure. But like with the new James Bond movies, sometimes the intros, it's a little too computer generated where it, it takes you out of it a little bit. But this one I love. It, it, it's a classic.
0: The shot of the golf ball going down the. The the butt. Oh my god. That's my favorite. <laughs> all um, all in one. <laughs> um okay. So plot, we talked about it a, a good deal. I'm giving this a ten. I as a radiation safety officer, that I can say that now. Uh I love Congratulations. it. it Congratulations back up. <laughs> um I, I think it rocks. And and I was happy to see the way that Bond unwraps the plot that like Goldfinger's sitting there with him, and he's, like, pulling the strings out of the knot to get to what the plan is, and that no matter what, like, until that moment, Goldfinger is fully ahead of Bond. Like, there's no way they could have figured out what the plan was before that time. (sighs) All right, so... All right. You gave it a
2: 10. I did. I gave it a 10. So I'm giving this a 9, purely and it's like, it's kind of a nitpicky reason. Um, Okay. I feel that. So like, I I really, I I think it's a great, great idea. I love the, the the idea for the villain of what he's doing to radiate the gold. I think that's like a really great bad guy plan. Um, And I think having bond along the way works, but at a certain point, bond becomes a little bit incompetent and they don't he does so he doesn't um actually stop the bomb like that that was kind of a weird beat like why do they just have this other guy come in and turn it off i guess it's supposed to be a joke um and again the same thing with like uh, him, like, seducing Pussy, like, and and her. T- so it's like, I guess that works in the context of, like, what happened. I just, I would have liked to feel like he earned that, <laughs> that, that win. Like, if he sure. couldn't seduce her, like, they're totally going to lose. Um, and then the last thing is, like, when Goldfinger gets, I just feel like the the last, like, 10 minutes of the movie just don't quite click as well as the rest of it. Where it's like, okay, uh, actually he got away, but we're gonna get him now. I kind of wish that they like let him get away and like have yeah. him come back later.
0: No, that's a that's a tremendous point because that would have been a cool moment for him to scurry back to Spectre. Yeah, you know, or to you know, kind of say like, all right, well, you know, we'll see him on another adventure or whatever they were gonna do. Yeah, you you have a, you have a good point. I like it because I like the twisty twist ending. I like the idea that Pussy was playing both sides. That she was like, yes, like this knockoff attack on on Fort Knox is inherently wrong and evil and would send the, the world into chaos, and I don't want to really be involved with that. But like, I'm still gainfully employed by this dude who has tons and tons of money, and he treats me very very well. So I, I I'm I'm my hands are kind of tied. Uh, yeah,
2: I, and I think my the last thing about it is I would have liked to have seen her make that choice. Which like in a yes. modern movie we would have, but here it's like oh Bond convinced her. Like if it was her making the choice to now, you know, not do the bad thing and and save the world, like that would have that would have been putting it over for me. Josh, what did you think about the plot?
1: Uh, we for going on a scale from one to ten, I I would probably also give it a nine, just because for some of those glossed over parts, because. Even when I was watching it, I actually went back for a second to see if I missed like a little scene or whatever. But after he seduces Pussy Galore, because I was like, oh, that's crazy. Like, just, all right, she's on his side. I like it. I mean, <laughs> I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess love is the answer, right? You got to make love, it'll, it'll, it'll solve everything. But, but, uh, I mean, overall, I, I think it's awesome. We talked about the pacing early on a little bit. It's a greatly paced movie. I mean, it comes close to two hours, but it doesn't feel that way. There's enough action. There's no really drawn-out spots where they're trying to, like, fill in too much background info. I mean, I, I love it. I, I'll definitely rewatch it uh, anytime. So
0: Hell yeah, dude. So I'm going to ca- – you're at uh, – I'm going to give your – you gave the, the opening sequence a 10. You gave this a 9. I'll calculate your scores over here. I'll tell you at the end. Um, so the next category is Gadgets, Q in the car. I know it's going to be another 10 for me. Uh, this is the origination of the whole goddamn thing. Um, there is no Pierce Brosnan with uh, Q in Tomorrow Never Dies or you know Goldfinger or any of the uh, Gold, uh, Golden Eye, excuse me. Um, this is it. You have to have this set up. You have to have the relationship dynamic be this way. And the car, the car could get eleven points for all that yeah. shit. You know, like yeah.
2: Oh my god. Um, what do you think, Frank? Ten. This again. We've we've got Q. We've got the scene. We've got so many gadgets. Like the video game may not have existed. Like think about how many gadgets are are in GoldenEye, the game, like, and all the other ones since then. Like. Um, it, it just works so well. Proximity mines, laser watch, <laughs> and I, like I love that he has to use them, and it, they don't feel hokey to me. They like they they feel real, they feel legitimate. It doesn't feel like unrealistic. And the car is is fucking amazing. Um, and I am so glad it's here, and I, I I hope that they keep bringing it back and have more gadgets with the car because it's just like like you said, it's like feels like the Batmobile. It's he's this is his special thing josh
1: 10 easy no no like qualms about it and also i mean it, it inspired so many other like knockoffs in a sense where everyone's like oh all these cool get. Ga- let's make ours this way and this is like the true original 10 for sure
0: hell yeah dude so moving on to our next category we spent a good uh, amount of time talking about them uh the bond girls um i gave this category a nine i took one point on f- for the uh the mistreatment of them and, and the way that they are not um, given a ton of ton of advocacy. Um, but I still think that they're, you know, really, you know, obviously Guy Hamilton had a thing for blondes. Um, but they are they're beautiful and they make the, they definitely are hugely represented here. Uh, I'm going to go to Josh this time. Mm-hmm. What do you okay. think? Bud?
1: I'm going to go eight. I mean, okay. Knockout beauties, absolutely. I love Pussy Galore. But, uh, yeah, just like the first couple Bond women, we get kind of teased with, where I'm like, ah, oh, I wanted some more. Like the the sister, uh, the, the Tilly, Tilly, right? Like she's just kind of in and out. And I was like, oh, I want more Tilly. Especially, she kind of seems like a badass in her own right. She's at least shooting a gun poorly, but she's you know out <laughs> for revenge. And she gets knocked out by a starchy hat. So that's kind of <laughs> a <Yeah>. bummer. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I'll go an eight. I'll
2: go an eight. Thanks. Uh, um, I'm going with a nine. Um Kind of an agreement with AJ here. Uh, I do think that they're all beautiful. And um, I, I think it was like, I was waiting for Pussy Galore to show up. And I was like, oh, are you Pussy Galore? Nope, you're not. Like um, the having like, her Tilly die so quickly like I don't know I know it's like the hat and like she gets killed with it but it just was like oh, wait she's dead okay she's mm. dead um so yeah um I I like them a lot but I think uh we we could have had a little bit more advocacy from them all right so we're going to do villain um so obviously we're talking about the one and only Goldfinger here
0: Auric uh, Goldfinger <laughs>
2: so i gave him a 10 uh it's like probably one of the few that i have given a 10 for for villain just because like you get his motivations he's super evil he's menacing looking he's kind of a physical threat and and he he like explains his plan but like he could have easily killed bond and like ultimately like bond outsmarts him i think he's he's just iconic um josh what do you think of goldfinger
1: oh 10 uh he's great he he's he's like funny at points and he's he's evil but not too unbelievably evil and he's got a dope layer like all of his things are super nice and cool and uh one thing i like too is that he's this evil bad guy but he's like also a public figure in the fact that he has all these gold reserves so like he, he gets to be out in miami out in the public like lounging by the pool he gets to be in Kentucky living on this fancy rich farm with these horses. So, like, I like the fact that he doesn't, like, try to hide who he is. But everyone knows he's up to shady stuff.
0: It's definitely, you know, like, influential, like, for, for Dr. Evil, you know, where it's like, you know, we switch from volatile chemicals to communications industry. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> You know, that he has to have, like, a, a legitimate front in order to to do the things that he, you know, ultimately really wants to do. Uh, I, I also gave him a 10. I, I think he's super, uh, I think he's super iconic. I think the way that, um, he is humanized and his motivations are very clear. He loves gold and he wants to win. That's it. And, you know, the idea that he wants to cr- commit like the greatest crime ever committed, like that's such an awesome motivation for a villain. Like, yeah. like you know, that he's not... He's not just going out here to do it and make himself rich. He's going for the integrity of the
2: motherfucking sport of villainy. <laughs> you know, like
0: that's awesome.
2: Uh, I also I, love. I so, I so feel that. I love that he hires like all these guys from the mafia. Yes.
0: That's a great scene. <laughs> and
2: like, ultimately it's like, oh, you want to get out? You don't want to be a part of it? All right. And he like, it's like, oh man, we know like this guy's totally going to die. But they kills them all anyway. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Oh, it's that it's that's such
0: a great. great like it's such a great manipulation. And like, um, you know, he looks down on them. They're not great criminals. You know, they're they're just they're just fine. They they serve their purpose in getting in the components he needs to pull off the Operation Grand
2: Slam. And that was it, you know? Yep. All right. Uh, moving to physical antagonists. Um, so here we're talking about odd job. Of course, we've already like raved about him. I don't know what else I could possibly say. He's he's like one of my favorites. Uh, I gave him a 10. Um, AJ, what do you think about Oddjob?
0: I mean, we know. I, he's the best. Uh, 10 for sure. I think he really uh, cements the, the role of what the physical antagonist is going to be. I'm curious to see how they react to him after the fact in the next movies because I'm always a little bit fuzzy on Thunderball. Uh, so I'm curious to see how they, that kind of ripples back out into, uh, the next few Connery films after having like somebody so, um, powerful and memorable and, 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 again, iconic, uh, yeah, 10, Josh.
1: Yeah. 10 iconic, great, awesome villain or antagonist guy. He, uh, you know, puts up a good fight and he's got his own like weird quirks. I, I I'm all in. I like it. He is quirky and he's Asian. So he's got an extra 10. He's got an extra 10 for me. (laughs) It's a 20. (laughs) All right.
2: Um, So the next category um, as a good one is, is bond performance, which like, I actually appreciate Josh that you, you've seen a bunch of bonds and you've seen a bunch of the different um, actors and you could probably speak to like how he, how Sean Connery did in this one. So, like, what, how would you think Sean Connery did as James Bond in this movie?
1: I mean, I thought he did a really good job. So, like, for his Bond, I would argue he's definitely, like, the sexiest and suavest. Like, the most handsome. Like, the, the hunkiest one you would kind of think of and imagine. Yeah. Um, he's definitely not – I mean, there's a lot of, like, fight scenes and action here. But he's, he doesn't seem, like, that imposing, especially with the fighting. I'm sure that has to do with, like, choreography back in that time or what they are limited with. But uh, I mean I I like him. I think he's definitely like one of the, like if anyone were to think of James Bond, he should be like one of the figureheads of it and like the face of the franchise to a degree. Um I thought he did a great job. And I like this version.
0: If you had to assign a score, what would you say?
1: Assign a score? Uh we'll give him we'll give him 9. I don't want really, I don't want to be too too gracious. But I'll, I'll do a 9.
2: Franks. All right. I I'm giving him a 10 this round. Um I just, I, even though I complained about some of the, the elements of the the character, and like what happened before in the plot category, I feel like, I feel like Connery is really like having a blast here. Like I, guess you can see that he's comfortable, that he he's like having so much fun, and that it, like this is like what he wants to do, and he's not like, it's like this is the, the third movie, and he's gonna go and do, what three more like four more (laughs) like it's actually And he does another one yeah he does four because of
0: uh times are forever yeah yeah uh, or no never never say never never again again.
2: yeah so like i don't know he is the most iconic bond to me like i know daniel craig reinvented the game but like you can't reinvent the game without having the original and like this is where he's the best aj
0: i'm so there with you man I i think he's I think he's so comfortable. He's established who he his version of James Bond is at this point. Um, when you hear him talk in the promotional radio stuff for uh, this movie, he's very engaged and like excited about it. And like, I wish Daniel Craig could ever have the level of excitement and reverence for what he's doing because he just he hates the the press, yeah. shit of it. And, like, so he never gets to, like, gush. And, like, you hear, like, Sean Connery being like, we got a new director, and there's this fucking crazy car with all these idiosyncrasies, and I don't want to, he says, I don't want to ruin the flavor. Like, that's I think cool. it's, yeah. Like I mean, it's also so- a
2: thing of the modern era. Like, like think about if Sean Connery was making this movie now, that's what he'd be running through. Like, the press junkets and shit. Like, that is so much a thing that happens now. Like poor, Like, if Daniel Craig could have lived in the 60s, he'd be happy.
0: <laughs> totally and there's and there wouldn't be all these expectations on him you know what i mean yeah. like because craig was so different and so radically shook up what he was doing like that's why everybody was like not my bond when they first see the trailer in casino royale you know they're like who's this blonde-haired blue-eyed weirdo you know he's jacked what the hell's going on he doesn't have any hair what's going on <laughs> um you know this version uh, this is like was so crazy uh, it had to be doing uh, Golden Eye stuff. Pierce Brosnan said that this was the first movie he ever saw. Wow! Like, like this is it? Like so for that, I, I think it's definitely a ten for me. I, I this is you know him rocking and rolling at at the the height of his James Bondness. I'm excited to see what he does next, but holy shit, was this great! Um, next category is legacy, continuity, moment, and relevancy. I'm also gonna go with a ten on this because of the the way that this ripples. Like the um, the premieres of this movie are huge cultural um, moments in the UK and in the United States. Uh, they open super huge. They you know it opens at the Cecil B. DeMille Theater in in Manhattan. They go over to the Astor Hotel. Somebody made uh, Honor Blackman a ten thousand uh, dollar gold finger piece of jewelry that she wore on her pinky to like do all the premieres. Um yeah. And then the Beatles. The Beatles reference in it for me is huge. <laughs> it's so awesome. It's like, that Bond hates the Beatles. I love it. It's That's so of the
2: time. It's perfect. Um it's kind of like I do think like if you're an old like I mean not that he's old. If you're a gentleman of the era, like if you're in your thirties, like you're like these this like this is for Teenagers, I don't like this music. <laughs> Fuck them. <laughs> so it totally makes sense. I hate the Beatles. Um, I agree with you. This is totally a ten. It sets up everything to come. Uh, just the way that they make these films. If people talk about James Bond and they love Sean Connery, they probably love Goldfinger. It feels super timely. Uh, in the sixties, uh, you know, like the, the Beatles reference everything. Ten. Um, Josh, what do you think about how this like holds up in the legacy?
1: Oh, definitely a ten. Uh, it's it's again, it's just a good movie in and of itself. Even if it didn't have the James Bond, you know, like um, reputation to hold up, or you know, any of that stuff, it's still a ten. It's great. And again, the 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 fact that it helps create the "You Only Move Twice" Simpsons episode will always be near and dear to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> That that episode's classic. The characters are classic in it. But, uh, no, nah, definitely a 10. Awesome. All right. Uh,
0: so last two categories, folks. We're almost wrapped up over here. Uh, so the special effects. Um, so Frank gave this a 9. Why did you give it a 9 and not a 10?
2: I don't know. I mean, I guess maybe, like, I'm just too picky. Maybe it's, like, okay. because it's a movie of the 60s, like, I can tell – I could see the rear projection even in like areas like in, in Miami, like yeah, when they're sitting at the table and they're talking, it's like the, the pool in the background is fake. It's like, it's, it's, they're not really there. And like little things like that are what just like, I'm like, damn it. If, if it did that, like otherwise like that zooming in shot from, from above as he's diving in is amazing. The, the, the plane work that they do, um, is awesome. There are so many explosions. Um, I l- I love what they do with with the live wire um, when when they have to kill Ajab. Like it's just it is outstanding work. It just to me like that's the one thing that like my eye catches so so much and I don't know why I can't forgive it. But so yeah, nine. Why are you giving it a ten? I'm giving it a ten because
0: did you know that the scene where they blow the tires is. Also, rear projection and shot on on a stage because I didn't know that. Wow! And that the be, really because of of the designer of these the special effects, which is a guy named John Steers. Uh, he the car he made the car work. He made the car magic, and the shots that they use of the car in order to make it do the different things are all separate component pieces that they put together in order to make it look real. And as a little kid, I was totally lost in that illusion. And I think people of that time could have been lost in that illusion. So I, I think if you're able to, if if you can get past the reprojection stuff, which I still don't understand, man. Like, it doesn't, like, what, they didn't have fucking lights at this time? Um, yeah, man. It's daylight. It's, it's weird. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's daylight. Agreed. Uh. Josh
1: uh I'm going to go with frank I'll say a 9 as well cuz definitely the the projection part it's really the few things that's kind of dated about the movie that you like notice so easily and he, and then it, it is true cuz like it's like they have the nice uh, you know establishing overhead shot of Miami and the beach and the pool and, and then they have the other shots but just a few of them randomly it's like well that's not real why did they have to fake that shot why couldn't they just do it then and there so i'm sure they have their, their logistical reasons and everything but yeah, that definitely is like the only few times to go. Yeah, it's definitely an older movie. That's a, <laughs> good if you're looking at shot. But. Yeah.
0: Oh my god, I've been so excited to talk about the goddamn music. Uh, so Josh, Frank, and I played in a band. Uh, Frank, uh, went to school for music. Um, and uh, I mean, you were you're a pretty fantabulous trombone player. You're you're pretty great at it. And, like I remember playing the James Bond theme. In Mr. Nadeau's jazz band yeah. in Bird Intermediate <laughs> School. Um this is this is like it. This is where we get all the things that I think we really love out of the James Bond music, and that is two separate ideas. There's the first, there's the iconic song that you love and plays throughout the movie, but also how that interweaves with the theme and then the overarching theme of the whole movie. So that you get the subtle um uh gold member theme coming in. You get also Goldfinger, gold finger. Goldfinger. <laughs> gold Fucking A. Uh, god damn it, Mike Myers. <laughs> god damn it, Goldmember. Uh, you get that awesome, uh, that really groovy, like 60s swinging, jazzy theme when they're flying over Miami. I love that uh musical beat. Um and then the song. The song is 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 really awesome. I also love the, uh, you know, we said in Dr. No that the theme is played very punchy. You know, it feels very um, a- a- aggressive that they're really hitting all the notes very hard. This, it's like, uh, it really swings. It grooves.
2: It, it, it's, it's, it has style and it has swagger. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it just... It feels sexy and it feels, I don't know, it just feels right. It feels like James Bond and the way that it integrates with the gold finger theme and, and, and the the song is just so good. Like, I think the last movie, it was like, man, there were moments where it's like, it feels like they're playing the music and they don't really realize what they're doing. This movie, they were paying attention and they were playing the right stuff at the right time. Um, I actually think that the gold finger song really influence is just like even the Austin Powers theme itself like that like sounds a lot alike to me um
0: oh yeah do 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 yes yes <laughs> it's so good
2: um so obviously i think goes with that we're giving this 10 both of us i'm i'm with you 10 on the music awesome excellent
0: all right so if you're keeping score at home frank gave this movie a 97. I gave this movie a 99. Wow. And I am turning in Josh's score right now. Talk amongst yourselves.
2: <laughs> By the way, I'm drinking martinis
1: tonight. Oh, I know. I'm, <laughs> I'm jealous. <laughs>
0: Josh gave this movie a 95. So this is clearly a good fucking movie, ladies and gentlemen. What what martini did you drink for this podcast? Because it looked so fucking cool. The glass looks
2: awesome. So this glass is kind of different. It's not a true martini glass. It's actually got a pink hue to it and a gold yes. rim. I was so, going to say the gold rim, it's a nice touch. So it looks like it, but it's definitely clear liquid. Um, Actually, the first one I had was gin of course and then i ran out of Mm. gin and then we did a mezcal martini it's actually fucking delicious so if you like mezcal that sounds great yeah just a little mezcal a little bit of vermouth that's pretty much it how do you like that
0: all right um all right so we've rated it we've discussed it we've gushed it um uh josh can you throw out uh your plug social media handles so the people can know where to find you
1: yeah uh the best social media way to find me is just on instagram it's just at joshua lay my last name spelled l-a-y so uh just find me on there that's where i'll post upcoming shows and all that fun stuff
0: dude it was super awesome to have you on for this episode thank you so much for coming on thank you so much
1: Pleasure. Yeah, thank you. This is fun. It's a good pod. It's fun to listen to and especially to rewatch the movies or see the ones I haven't seen. So thank you guys for giving me the opportunity.
0: Oh fucking hey, dude. You're the you're the, you're the man. Uh Franks. Yes, sir. Holy shit, man. We're we're moving and grooving, dude. We're almost done. I don't know if I want to finish
2: now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No. I mean to me I, I I'm shocked we made it this far. I, I it's it's hard to like see a thing through to the end, but we uh we only have three more movies to go, and then the hopefully the No Time to Die uh, film will be released. Just like a shout-out, they put out an official James Bond podcast. Um, they had to see what we were doing. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it's I haven't listened yet. The first episode came out today, um, but I um. think it's going to be six episodes. Like It looks like it's 30 minutes or so with interviews and behind-the-scenes stuff, like – Basically, leading up to the release of the movie, which is fucking awesome. I can't wait to listen. It's going to be so much fun trivia. Um, But you're listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Um, If you've been listening, obviously, you are probably subscribed already. But if you are not, please subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, um, Long Lost Heroes Podcast. Uh, you can find us on our website at www.longlostheroes.net. You can email us at info at um, On social media, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at LLH Podcast. Uh, we really appreciate all the, the comments and reviews that we've gotten so far. If you have thoughts on Goldfinger, please let us know, because obviously this is one of our favorites. Um, we're almost at the end, so if you've been sticking with us this long we're almost there hope you can make it with us tune in for thunderball next week anything else for you tonight aj i am so so good everybody thank you all thank you so much thank you josh thank you josh appreciate having you a kick episode but <laughs> <laughs> and we are out Finger. thank you
1: nice <laughs>